Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Minister Joy Lewis, and you're listening to Free on the Inside, an Internet program to inform you, to encourage you, and to challenge you or build by our Father's business. Each and every week we've been blessed to bring on ministries and individuals that's making a difference in the kingdom here. And I'm so pleased to continue that up under the power of God. You know, I don't do anything alone. It's God that go before me. It's God that establish me and hold me up. But this morning here, have you ever challenged yourself about looking around and you seeing that uh, uh, the needs of people, and sometimes your heart gets heavy. You ever looked around and saw kids with no shoes on their feet or mothers that didn't have a place to stay? This morning we have a young lady that looked around and she saw those things that was plaguing our society. And she asked herself and she went before God and said, God, what would you have me to do? And God gave her an answer, then gave her a ministry that touches the the hearts and lives of men and women. This morning, I'd like to introduce to you this morning, as one of our guests on Blog Talk Radio, is Catherine O.G. She's the uh, uh, part of a Christian ministry, Ministry for Refugees. She has a beautiful website, but I'm going to let her come on, and she's going to share some things regarding that ministry. At this time, the next voice you'll hear will be Miss O.G. Good morning, Miss O.G., Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. Welcome to our internet program. God bless you. Thank you for being a part of our God show this bless. morning. Well, thanks for having me. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, great. Well, I tell you what, introduce yourself and tell us about your ministry and, and how you came about to doing what you do. Oh, well, my name is Catherine Ogie, and um, I'm the director of Rock Heaven Ministries. So Rock Heaven Ministries um, started, uh, how would I put it? I, I want to say Rock Heaven Ministries uh, is an is a answer of hope to a lot of situations. I was a pastor, a then minister, and in, I think, 1990, I was um, sent out to found a branch of a ministry in Atlanta, Georgia. And while I was in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, we were working with ministry, uh, working with people. It was actually it was a deliverance ministry, but as I got to, um, as I said, that comfortable just getting to know Atlanta, I saw a lot of um, African American women and Hispanic women who were actually um, victims of domestic violence. And uh, I began to, I began to uh, interview people, just talk to them. I realized a lot of um, these beautiful, great women of God were in uh, relationships that just was not healthy for them, and, and, and they didn't seem to see a way out of these relationships. As I spoke with them, I realized that one, there was a common thread, which was 
they, there was a need for for more um, educational skills, job skills. Yes. And 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 then just and because they've been in this situation for too long, the self-esteem was actually um, well, was they had uh, they had issues with self-esteem. So I I went before the Lord and asked God, what can we do about this? So as I began to pray and seek the Lord, we began to um, provide outreach situations, provide outreaches, food, clothing. On a weekly basis, we'll go out, meet with those women and their children, provide them with food and clothing. And with that, God gave me the burden to to establish an employment agency, which is called Rock Haven Staffing Solutions. So while in Atlanta, Georgia, I established uh, the staffing agency, which was actually a way to help these ladies get more um, job skills and training and eventually job placement. So we began to do that, and we began to see some results. Of course, eventually, um, I was my time with the, with, the, with the church that sent me there was over with, so I... We looked it back to Dallas. I felt God was telling me to come back home to Dallas. So when we came back to Dallas, we did, we, did, we continued to do the work with the do the work with the, with the staffing agencies. And of course, I, <clears throat> I I I began to work with another church. It's a Methodist church, and um, they provide food for the for the homeless. So every week, every Saturday morning, we'll go we'll go downtown and we'll feed homeless people. Provide them with um, sandwiches and tracks, and uh, actually, a couple of times I found myself ministering deliverance to people on the street, uh, on the street in downtown Dallas, because my background is in, is in deliverance ministry. We continue to do that, and then after a while, we reestablished the um, the staffing agency, and of course, the ministry began. But I think it was in 2012 that um, the Lord gave me a vision for for the refugee ministry. So I, um, I guess, well, after a while, when I, when I came back to Dallas, my mother passed away, so I went home to Nigeria. I was gone for about two months. When I came back from Nigeria, um, this time I was in Bible school. I was at Covenant Training Institute, CTI, because I'm a member of Covenant Church. I was in my, I was my second year Bible school. With the passing of my mother and everything, I just could not, I struggled with depression. I could not continue with, but I knew I had to finish my, I had to finish my, my school of ministry program. But my professors were so kind. They allowed me to just take it easy and get it done. Well, to God be the glory, I was able to graduate with the entire graduating school. So with me struggling with depression and just didn't know how to handle the the entire grief situation, a month and away, and having been through a divorce, life was just really, really different for me. So I had to uh, put the suffering against me on hold for a minute and just focus on finishing Bible school. <clears throat> of course, I now had a job. I was actually I was working with um, NHMR. 
I was working with adults with mental illness. I did that for about five years. And even while I did that, I saw myself really, I I saw it as a ministry. Because as I worked with adults with mental illness, I realized that I found that a lot of the adults that I was working with were were battling depression, different things like that. And I would, and whenever they were scheduled to come to the clinic to come see us as case managers, I would have adults who just couldn't come out of their rooms. They would sit in their rooms and just, just really going through. So I thought the Lord gave me an idea on how to minister to these adults. So what I'll have them do is I would have them just, to, um, like have them come out to see me once a week. I'll give them very, very, very simple tests. I'll give them a challenge. If you can just come out, if, if you promise me that you can come out to see me every week for a month without missing your appointment, we'll have a celebration. So every Wednesday, I'll gather all the, all the adults on my caseload, which is about 20 adults on my caseload, and we will celebrate someone's birthday. What I'll do is I'll provide them with food, provide them with um, just things, and I will have them pray. I was I was in a clinic, but it was my group, and, and I felt like, and I felt I was there to minister, not just to collect a paycheck. So every Wednesday, we're missing out, we're missing out in a group, we'll hold hands, we'll pray, after a while, I began to ask them to bring in something to, to share. I'll ask, one, I'll ask them, well, since you get food stamps, bring a soda. Since you get food stamps, bring a candy, bring a bag of chips. Bring something to share, share with the group. And as I began, as I began to break bread at my job with, with these adults, I saw them begin to blossom. I saw them began to share things in their heart that they wouldn't share with anybody. And I encourage all, I, I encourage them all to make sure they took care of themselves. And my thing was, you are already in a case, on a case with us. I mean, someone who was collecting footsteps in a government uh, program, I would encourage them, get a job, get a job skill, go to workforce commission, get some training. Get your housing because all of this all of these resources are available to you. Make the best out of it. I'll never forget one one client asked his her best friend to come in to transfer from Fort Worth. She said, Miss Ogi is is for real. She will help you. So this client transferred her case from Fort Worth to our clinic in Dallas. That was what I did. And because I did this every Wednesday, none of my clients stopped. They kept coming. And I remember when I went to Nigeria for, for my mother's funeral, my clients would not show up. They would call, they would call the clinic, it's Miss Ogi back. They would not, because they felt I was good for too long, they would not show up until I came back. Of course, my director wasn't too happy about that. 
She sold. <laughs> that's she, right. She, I'm sorry. I like that. I like that right there. You know, Miss Oja, you yeah. said some things that's really dear to my heart. How we have to empower men and women, not only just feeding mm-hmm. them and sharing the gospel, but we also got to present to them life skills, some things that yeah. they could use. You know, mm-hmm. as uh, as we do ministry, you know, ministry is about building people up, and not and then after mm-hmm. you restore it, you to go back out and help someone else. And, and mm-hmm. you know, and I'm very aware of those things there because we don't want to disable anybody or uh, enable oh, yeah. anybody. And I like what you said. Yeah, you got a one. Power. I was looking at your website here. It said one stop uh, ministry, a one stop yeah. shop. There. Tell us something about that because you just hit on that a while ago. But I want people yeah. to know that you know we do ministry. Sometimes people say, "Well, you just want to feed and clothe." No, it's more than ministry than that. You talking about the whole person? Yes. Yeah. Well, the vision for the vision for Rock Ever Ministry is to be a one stop shop. What we want to do is to be what we want to do is to be able to minister to the whole person. The spiritual aspect, the physical and your mental aspect. We believe that it takes all of that for you to be to be the whole person that God has created with nothing missed, nothing broken. And we and we and we are open to Every and anyone, refugee, immigrant, and non, everyone that comes to our, our facility would like to be able to minister to you, providing food, of course, the basic needs, because we want, we want you to be able to eat. When Jesus Christ was here on earth, each time after, after praying and preaching the gospel to the people, ministering to them, we'll have them sit down and eat. Because food is, is important, and I remember in the Bible when he went when after when he came to someone Peter, someone Peter, he asked him, uh, "Do you love me? You know I do, Lord. Feed my people, feed my disciples, feed my land." So we, we believe in feeding your physical food. Now we know that the, the emotional things, there are trauma. The people go through traumas and emotional things that need to be addressed. I am a certified Christian counselor and a coach. We will want to be able to minister to you mentally, of course, with clothing. And then, of course, we want to be able to empower you to move on and out of that circle of poverty or whatever was going on. We provide you with job training, job skills, job placement, and ongoing job coaching. That's that's, that's what we're all about. And yeah, you know, I'm looking at your website here. It's a beautiful site, and I encourage everyone to go out and uh, visit the site. And I want you to give us some contact numbers before we get off the air here. And I see that you're touched on some things that's on your website about coaching and counseling, uh, spiritual yeah. gu- uh, guidance and health and wellness events, and things of that. Yeah. Now, you're talking about the whole man, not just a spiritual man, but the whole entire man. Now, if someone yeah. would like to be a part of your ministry, uh, just to come out and, and just be a volunteer. What are some okay. of the steps that they can do, and how can they get in touch with you? Well, we'll make it easy for people to come in and volunteer. Our website is www.rockhavennetwork.org. And my phone number is 972-201-7668. You can call that number, and I will personally answer the phone. <laughs> yes, you will. Yeah, I'm talk now, to him, yes. <laughs> now, I'll tell you what, Ms. Now, now, tell us now, how do you manage to manage all these things? Because you have a family, you have your own personal interests and stuff, but yet you keep, it making, you keep making yourself available 
to be a servant for the kingdom. Now, how do you manage to do that? Because sometimes people say, I just don't have the time. I just don't I don't know if I can manage these things. What are some of the things? Uh, how do you manage to work, your, you know, things out and, and they'll be about our father's business? First of all, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, okay? But um, this one thing that God has given me, and it's, uh, I, I have a lot of virtual volunteers that work with me. I have interns all over, all over, all, 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 I mean, all over the states, because what, with, with our staffing agency, I realized that I would need people to do other things that I'm not able to because I want to be able to meet talk to people. I have virtual interns. <clears throat> right now, we have a student from um, University of Phoenix who is working with us in our in our human resource department, and by the time she's done with the program. She will be getting college credits through Rockhaven Staffing Solutions. We have interns working virtually on the, I mean, on the back end to make, to make everything look good. But as far as the human touch, that's where we are. We have people you know, who are ready to, to help us coach people. We have people who are, who, I mean, who are counselors that want to help us out. But whatever, whatever we are called to do, I believe strongly that when God gives you a vision, he gives you the provision, and God has done that so well for us. He has given us provisions to do whatever we are, we are called to do, and we're all about taking care of God's people. Oh, that is so true. That is so true. You know, as you are sharing this information, I have a sense that God is using you and your ministry mightily. And I like what you said about having volunteers because sometimes we think that we got to do it all ourselves. But I see that yeah. God has brought other men and women into your life, into the ministry with the same passion to serve, mm-hmm. to be a servant. And that is so true because a lot of times you, we, know, we don't have to go out and reinvent nothing. This, the ministry is already there. If you want some time, you don't have to go and, manu- and make your own time. You just go place and buy you some time. And that's where ministry exactly. ought to be. You know, sometimes people say, I want to start this. Now we want to be a part of something. And if God be for you, he'll, re- he'll elevate you in the midst of things. You exactly. Know? And sometimes people say, I need to be the head. Now you just need to be a servant. And if so be it, God will raise you up to be the head or, or even Hallelujah. start. Uh, or start another ministry, and I like what you do. Now tell us something. Now. Give us a give us a testimony of how God has changed the lives of somebody that's been in the ministry, and now they're a part of the ministry, or they're going on off and, and and living a better life because of they encounter with you and God. Okay, so where do I start from? <laughs> I know that's all, totally, but it's always good to hear those things. Yeah. You know, there's a lot, there are a lot of people that God has actually allowed us to impact. Like I was saying, even when I had a job job and this ministry was not established, I had a chance to meet with a lot of people. I saw a young lady. Can I tell you, you know, I'm from Nigeria. I have an accent. This lady was from Nigeria. I mean, she came to the clinic to get some assistance because she was going through some emotional problems. She was a diabetic. She was a diabetic. Her daughter was a diabetic. And things were really, really bad for them. So one of my coworkers actually said, pointed her to me, was like, go to that room, knock on that door. That lady over there will help you. So she came, as I began to interview her, I saw that she had, uh, this woman is a beautiful, a beautiful woman, but she had a lot of, um, just a lot of situations going on, traumas. Like, I mean, she's been stabbed. 
been, I mean, been through divorce on, on three different times and stabbed by, 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 by a previous um, ex-husband. Child, uh, daughter was just going through. So we began to work little by little, little by little. First of all, we began to just pray with them every day. Just come in, just come in the phone, we'll pray. Pray with them. And then we began to talk to them about how to change your, change your, change, change your eating habit. With that, we began to just work with them on just self-image. How do you dress? How do you go out? And eventually, within, I think, well, in the course of my working with her, I would have said within a year, we saw where she got off of government program. There's nothing wrong with that because that, that has its place. She left that off, got a job through our agency, and eventually we had to remove them out of the of the of the neighborhood where they were living because it wasn't very it wasn't a very safe neighborhood. That's one. I mean, I had I had a young man that um, that we were working with also. This, he wasn't. It was a regular. It wasn't a refugee because I mean, even though our ministry is focused on working with refugees, we are open to whoever comes out comes out for, comes out for assistance. We're ready to help. This young man came out. Didn't have a place to go. Was you know, he was staying with his girlfriend and things didn't work out and all. They had a falling out and all of that. So we began to talk to him through coaching, through counseling, of course, with food and all of that. And eventually, we sent him out to get a job with Tyson Tyson Food somewhere in the South Dallas. Right now, this young man is doing well. Got a good, got a good steady and. Um, Good steady paying job and it's moved on. It's on and on and on like that. I was in the library a couple of months ago, just a regular Dallas Public Library. Uh, I had my laptop to do some work. My laptop would not work, so I so I left there to go just to use it, use the library the library's computer. And as I sat there, a young man began to talk to himself, and I knew that something was not right. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna. There's some stories that I'm gonna put out in my book. I am writing a book, and I can tell you the, the title of the book because I'm almost done with it. It's called Amen. Hope Encounters. It's called Hope Encounters. Okay, Hope Encounters actually actually is 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 full of real life stories of people going through. But of course, we've changed the name and situation just to just to protect. The, the real people, but it's real who have gone to the place of oppression and depression and suicide, who had thought, you know, that, that who had thought that all was over with, but God had come in to shine his light on them, and we've seen, and, and they've seen hope. They found hope in Christ, and they've turned the corner and done better. So as soon as this book gets published, I actually would have made, you, make sure you have a copy. So young, this young man at the library, like I was stuck, uh, saying, was actually I knew that something was off mentally. So I I went close and I asked him, "How can I help you?" But see, the the, the power in this story is that so so I am in a public library, random library. Whenever I went in there to to do some work, I I was in a conference room by myself. Yes. But for some reason, my computer, my laptop would not work. So I thought, okay, let me let me use a regular uh, computer. But can I tell you that even that was a setup from God? 
Yeah, that was, that was. And you know, Miss Oga, that is so mm-hmm. true because I had an encounter that. You know, I do juvenile ministry, and I give out Bibles, a little pocket Bibles to our young men in the mm-hmm. juvenile center. And I was at a store, and one young man was bagging groceries, and he said, I know you. And I said, hey, I come here sometime. And he said, no, nah, I know mm-hmm. you from somewhere else. And then I, when, they always t- when they bring it, follow it up again, I know I know them from jail or the street ministry or something. Mm-hmm. And he said, man, I remember you gave me this Bible. He pulled out this Bible. And I said, I did not oh, know wow. the impact that these are made. By show mm-hmm. kindness, by encouraging, it goes a long way. You know, Miss Ogan, we may not ever meet these people, but just that short period of time, like you say, it was a setup. Mm-hmm. But it makes a difference in their life. Imagine what a young man would have been if God wouldn't have ordered your steps there. Imagine mm-hmm. how those families would still be in disarray if they wouldn't have encountered yeah. you or heard about you and your ministry and the love that you share. Because some people could do things and not show love. But yet they know yeah. the, the the sincerity of your giving and your caring. And you know what? We as we do ministry, we're challenged because as we do ministry, we pull so much into each individual case. But yet the next case is just as valuable. You know what I'm That's saying? Right. I know sometimes you get to the end of your rope, you say, "Hey, I need to get out of here." But somebody else come knocking on the door, get a phone call. But yet you take time out and you minister to their needs, and not only minister, but you give them information they can use. And that is so true. Because, you know, we can share and pray for people. If we can't say, hey, you need to go over here and get you something to eat, you know, you need to go over here and get yeah. you a place to stay or if someone is hiring, prayer changes things, but also work. And I would encourage brother, after we finish praying for you, you need to get out here and go to work. Anyway, you know, That's not work, but you need to, uh, you know, we need to uh, let God order our steps. If you need a job, we're going to pray for a job. We're going to pray for you favor as you go to the job, that, not just any job, but a God, a job. that God, a that, job. Yeah, a danger. You know that job you, you could keep. <clears throat> Not like this power. Some, you know what? Some people just don't have the information. Yes. They just don't have the. They, in their heart, they want to do this and do that and the other, but they lack the right information. So sometimes just being there, having the right information, is what might be the key that the next person needs to get to their place of destiny. Amen. So my thing is being aware, having you having having a discernment, because you you might find yourself in a grocery store of all places. Even if you have to buy food, you will be you will be as an ambassador. Being aware, looking around and looking looking for someone that's in a need, and meeting those needs. Sometimes it may not even come in form of form of money. It might just be a smile, a hug, a touch. Might just be all we need. What I saw God has told me in the, in the uh, God God told me, which He keeps telling me is to be the Bible that the next person may read. There are some you know, I love that. I love that. God. I share with people. I said people will read you before they read the scriptures you quote yes. with them. Now, are you, you know, right about that? If it's, I tell you what, we need to pause here for a second. We got a couple of calls on the line. We're gonna bring someone in just to say hello to you and encourage yes. you as you encouraging us. Hey man, this has been a great interview. Good morning, you on the net. Uh, good morning, Minister Joe. How are you? Good morning, that Minister Flavors. Good morning, that we have a great guest on the line this morning, Miss OG, and she's sharing with us her ministry of Christian Refugees Ministry at Rock Haven. Work dot. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, good morning, Catherine. How are you? Good morning, sir. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm doing fine, and uh, in such a cheerful mood, it's always good to 
to to to hear and and um, uh, experience uh, the grace and the mercy of God as He uh, manifests His diversity in terms of the kinds of ministries that He uses to and to meet the needs of His people. I'm so glad to to to, to hear uh, from you again about the things that God is doing and how He's blessing people. You know. Amen. <laughs> Man, God bless you, there, Minister Fleming. I tell you what, we got another guest that's coming up here, but we want Miss OG to have the, the last saying and to encourage us to be about our father's yes. business because there's uh, sometimes we look around and we see that the need is too great, but we have to realize we're not in this alone. I'm not, we don't do anything alone. Our father go before us and he prepares the way. So, uh, Miss OG Catherine, will you please uh, yes. give us words of encouragement before you get out of here, and also give us that contact number because someone needs to. Uh, uh, come over there and experience this ministry in person. All right. Well, what I can, what I, what I have to say is that I feel like <clears throat> each one of us has been given a place, a place in the kingdom. We've, we've been given a ministry which is unique to us, because there are some people that only you, Minister Flemings, can listen to that, that I really cannot touch because I have not walked, with, I've not walked your walk. There are some people that only you can minister to that I cannot minister to. So, but the, but the thing of it is to is to spend time alone with the Father as a host to direct our footsteps. I mean, you may not be called to be in the church pulpit, you may not be called to set up an established ministry, but whatever you know you've been called to do, you do it with all of your joy, do it with your heart, because that is where God will, that is where God will reward you. You might just call to just be the one to help uh, take some elderly people to um, to the appointment. That is a ministry. You may be the one to be called to go feed the homeless. That's a ministry. Whatever you are called to do, you do it with all sincerity of heart. And and I I, I, I said to myself when I when I had my job is once I can go home and lay my head on the pillow and say you know what God I touched one person my job is done. So I know I'm not called to touch everybody. But I feel like whoever comes my way that was in need, I was able to open my eyes and say, you know, hey, I see a need there. Let me meet the need. So my prayer is that that each one of us, before we before we are called to go do a job for Jesus comes, we find our place in the kingdom. And whatever we are called to do, we do it with all our hearts. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for those words of encouragement. Because sometimes we grow weary, but yet we should not grow weary and well-doing. My hat goes off to you and your ministry. We ask you to continue to do what you do for the Lord, and we're looking forward to having you to or be a guest on our program at a later date to kind of keep us up to date on what's going on with your ministry. Again, the name of your ministry and where you're located? It's Rock Heaven Ministries www.rockheavennetwork.org Our phone number is 972-201-7668 When you call this number, I will personally answer my phone and I will talk to you. <laughs> Amen. God bless you. This has been a great interview. As always, you're always welcome. We ask you to go back and listen to this show or blogtalkradio.com come forward slash granny place and you are on free on the inside god bless you thank you have a great day in the lord 
Thank you, Sister Lewis. God bless you. Thank you, thank you. Amen. What a great interview that we had that with Catherine Oji, a Christian uh, ministry for refugees. You know, she gave you some information, she gave you a contact number. We ask you to follow up on that and just see what God would have you to do at such a time as this. We're going to go on with this here program. We have another guest that's coming up here, Miss Norris, and she have a mobile asthmatic treatment uh, ministry that she's going to share with us called Positive Breathing. And I love that. I love that. I love that. Positive Breathing, reaching into the needs of God's people. Say, amen. And this is what this ministry is all about. Now, at this time, we'd like to bring Ms. Nora on, and she's going to introduce the ministry and tell us about uh, the, uh, how this ministry is making a difference in the community. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, yes, uh, my name is Shamara Norris, and um, my organization that I founded back in 2011 is called Positive Breathing Organization, and we reach out to the community, most undeserved communities, uh, low-income communities, helping uh, communities learn more about asthma. So our goal is to provide high-quality intervention for children. Uh, we do help some adults kind of with prescription medication needs and finding avenues that way, but we mainly deal with children who are diagnosed with asthma, and we try to increase their knowledge and uh, increase their behavior as far as promote self-management and effective, give them effective ways to um, manage their asthma. So we're really excited, and we, we've helped a lot of people uh, since 2011, and it's just get growing and growing and, uh, as I say, getting better and better. Amen, amen. And now, uh, uh, as you see the needs of uh, of people that needing uh, some treatment or some information, being educated, are you kind of set back with how people are taking asthma for granted and not really looking and trying to manage their cases? I am, but you know what I what I found out. I'm a respiratory therapist, and and just in talking to families, you know, they get some information and uh, they get a piece of paper and they go home. And I think what we fail to understand is everyone can't read that medical language. You know, the, the healthcare clinicians can read it because we've, we've gone to school and we've taken classes on how to read the, the words, but some of the words are very difficult and people just don't understand, you know, into detail. They need it to be broken down in a, a lower language so they can understand. And so... You know, I don't always blame it all on the, the, the patients, but I'm finding out that people really just don't understand how serious asthma is. And so uh, just just by talking to people in the community and clients that have asthma, it's, they've never been educated. Are they've you, never been educated. Are you kind of uh, uh, surprised that people uh, don't realize that this, uh, that this treatment in these cases can be diagnosed right on site because, you know, a lot of times we say, well, we have to go somewhere else. But when you present your mobile asthmatic uh, unit on, on different, in different areas, are people kind of blown away by just knowing that this type of treatment is available? They are. So, you know, we, we can't exactly diagnose on site because we don't have a physician on site to diagnose, it has to have, you have to have a physician to diagnose. But we can give you the tools and the information that you can take to your physician and show him that you know you're you're experiencing these asthma obstructions, as we call, every day. And from there, he can he can diagnose you and help provide the uh, medication and the treatment plan to treat you. And so, a lot of people are not aware that you know you can you can have this done or answer even a questionnaire. There's even a, a piece of paper that's a questionnaire called the Asthma Control 
um, questionnaire, and from there it asks you several questions about symptoms that you may be experiencing. And from answering those questions, you can kind of determine whether you are experiencing asthma symptoms. So um, people just don't know that that those tools are out there um, to help them. Hello? Hello? Minister Lewis? Minister Lewis, I cannot hear you on your side. I'm not quite sure what's going on. I don't know if you can hear me, but I can't hear you. It's as though the phone is muted or something. Good morning, Miss Norris. Good morning. Good morning. I don't know what's going on here, but thank you for calling back in. We'll just continue <laughs> to do the show without you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't know what we- happened. That's okay. These things happen. I tell you what, we have someone that can edit any anything that's undesirable in the program. So we're okay. We're okay. I tell you what, I was just sharing what I was listening to all this to go to your website and that you have some information. Now we're going to continue our interview. Oh man, I love this. You know, this is exciting. You know, because uh, this is about our father business. And guess what? We may be yes, shaking, but we're not pressed. You know? Amen. <laughs> Amen. Now, I had just. Uh, uh, just came off of your website, and you have some services that's available. Will you please go through that and share with our listening audience the services that your mobile unit provides? So on our mobile unit, you know, we, we go to health fairs. We provide education. Um, we provide case management services. So if you have needs as far as um, for your asthma and you need, let's say you need a spacer or you need um, help with medication, and you cannot afford it, or you you can you can afford it, but you can't afford all of it. So we offer avenues for people who need help, you know, to afford their medications. Um, we we actually go out to schools, and we do uh, classes for parents and and the students. We teach the parents about asthma, and we go through the causes of asthma, what triggers it. Um, we talk about is there a cure for asthma. Because uh, most people don't know whether there's a cure or not, and the answer to that, just to kind of answer that today, is there is no cure for asthma, um, but it can be treated. And they're still, you know, investigating that. You know, they're still doing research on finding a cure for the disease. Also, we do um, asthma screening, and we provide asthma supplies. And so, uh, those are some of the services that we do offer the community. You know, uh, we was talking off lab prior to this show about some of the cure, uh, some of the treatment that was produced to us when we were a lot younger. And I'd ask you something about the uh, the uh, the inhaling type of cures. You know, when I was younger, we had asthma in our family, and what we did, we did boiling water over a pan with some uh, maybe some big sad or something in it. Would you share some of that yeah. with us how we thought it might have helped at one time, and it may have helped. 
you know, we was talking about. You know, I, I always tell people, you know, it may may have helped. You know, some of these things may have helped, and you know, you had to do the best thing you had to do back then with what you had. And and so when we were talking about the boiling water, you know, I I thought about you know the steam, the steam or the aerosol kind of treatment from the steam, and what the steam kind of does is help loosen that mucus that's kind of trapped down in the lungs and and it makes it easier for a person to cough up. But, you know, we always tell people, you know, you might want to do your, your old school remedies, but, you can you know, follow what the physician says and do what the doctor says and add your old school remedies in with it, you know, to, to outcome and, and uh, control your asthma. You know, a lot of people don't know that there's all types of things that trigger asthma, and um, one of the things are is, tobacco smokers, cigarette smoking. A lot of these kids are in environments where their parents might smoke cigarettes and they think because they smoke it outside the home, it stays outside the home. But, you know, it gets into your clothing and, it, and you know, we call that third-hand smoke. You come in and it's in your clothing and you can still smell it. And so these things are, are you know, triggers for kids who have asthma and they're very sensitive and it can cause an asthma attack. Yeah. Now tell me now, based on your experience and knowledge, how many people are overcome by asthma a year? I know that number changes, but the last numbers that you heard. So the last numbers I heard, just in the United States alone, there there are 25 million people who have asthma. So 25 million people were were affected with asthma, and um, they're they're saying about 16 million of those 25 million are children, are estimated to be children. So. It, it fluctuates, you know. So the last statistics, you know, kind of say 25 million are are in the whole United States are adults and children. But um, I want I want to say about 16 million of them are children, and so um, and 4.1 million of those suffer from asthma attacks or an episode every year. Mm. So that's a high number yeah. of people yeah. not controlled with their asthma. Now, yeah. now, we was discussing something also about the different stages and levels of asthma because sometimes there's different things that trigger asthma, and, we, and you were saying that it was, uh, you gave me a, a clinical name for it, a, a different type of, I guess. I, so I there are different types name. of asthma. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, what we talked about, exercise-induced asthma and allergic asthma. So the exercise-induced kind of happens just when you're outside running, doing any type of activity, exercising, playing sports, whether it's it's football, soccer, baseball, you know, you only have that shortness of breath or um, wheezing, which is that high-pitched sound when you're you're doing some form of exercise. And so, people that have exercise-induced asthma uh, can get can get treated by using their what we call quick relief inhaler or their MDI. 10 minutes before playing that sport, and you should feel some type of relief and not struggle through playing it. And then, you know, we have allergic asthma, which is kind of allergy-induced, and those come from, you know, exposure to allergens such as pollen, mold, animal dander, whether it's your cat, your dog, or even little hamsters, you know, you can be allergic to that. Uh, Feather, dust, and dust is everywhere. Um, Food and cockroaches, uh, the cockroaches can leave behind feces that people are allergic to. And so these 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 things are what we call allergic reactions and uh, allergic asthma. Hey, man, you know, that's good to know that. And yeah. also, uh, and we'll share with some things also regarding the, uh, the uh, by growing out of asthma, because sometimes, you know, elderly people say, you'll grow out of this here. Will you share, Carol, yeah. to share something about that? 
So, you know, we, we call that a myth, a common myth. You know, a lot of people think you can grow out of asthma, and asthma is considered a chronic disease, and um, it is a disease. You know, it's not something that, it's not something that's viral or bacterial that you can treat with antibiotic and it goes away. It's it's an actual disease that you have to learn how to live with and control with the medications that you're given. And so um, a lot of people develop asthma in their childhood and then it's no longer seen as they get older. And people think, you know, hey, I've outgrown asthma. I no longer, you know, experience what I used to experience as a child. But the truth of the matter is you don't outgrow it. You know, your symptoms may improve as you get older and um, you don't, you know, see anything that, that detects that you have asthma. But what what we found out, you know, what research has found out is that uh, you're just not exposed to the things that have triggered it. So maybe when you were a child, you lived in an environment that had all these allergens that were triggering it and, you know, your parent where your parents lived, whether it's outdoor or, you know, air pollutants that were triggering it or the trees or anything, um, and then you get older and you, your lungs grow and you, you move away from home and you're not exposed to those triggers and so you don't see asthma anymore and you think you've outgrown it. But uh, once you come in contact with those things again, it, it just may trigger your asthma. So you don't outgrow asthma, you just, you know, your symptoms just improve and it, you still have the diagnosis as having that disease. Oh, okay, then that's a, yeah, that's a myth then. Mm-hmm. Now tell me uh, uh, something, something else. Now when your mobile card is at a location and people are going in for an assessment, what can they expect when they go in? They say, I'm scared, I don't know what to expect. So kind of give us a sense of confidence or what the, uh, you know, or what the assessment is detailing for your mobile unit. So our mobile unit, right now we, we just kind of take it with us and we do an outside assessment outside of the unit. But we're in the process of transforming our unit into a asthma mobile clinic. And so when it becomes that asthma mobile clinic, it, it, will, it will be an asthma specialty clinic where if you've been diagnosed with asthma, you can get a referral from your physician and get on our unit. And from there, you will come in and we'll do a full history assessment of you. And basically asthma-focused, is there anyone in your family that has asthma? How often do you have your symptoms? Um, things that you might be experiencing, can you exercise? Because sometimes when you have asthma, you can't exercise because you're so so sort of breath. And so, you know, we ask you kind of questions about how controlled is your asthma. And then once you answer that questionnaire, we do, um, the goal is to do a pulmonary function test, which is the only true way to diagnose asthma is with that pulmonary function test. And, and since you've already been diagnosed, you should have already had a test done. So we do one that day, your first day on the unit, and um, we try to compare um, or get a baseline of where your lungs are at the time, you know, how your lung is functioning at that time. And from there, the the uh, nurse practitioner that will be on the mobile unit will be able to do an assessment of you and um, either prescribe you medications or just talk more and further about asthma control and provide you with the tools and education um, also on that unit, you know, so you'll be able to get educated by a respiratory therapist or a nurse about asthma, what triggers it, you know, who's affected by it. Because people don't know, um, sometimes, it's, you know, they really don't know what the cause is, but they they know it's hereditary. So someone in your family might have it. or And they also know that it's really found in, in your lower income areas, and they're they're saying it's more environmental. And so 
you know, you get to learn all those great things about asthma and, and be educated um, and infiltrated with information so that you'll be able to, you know, the more knowledge you get about this disease um, and the more skills sets that you learn, it's easier to manage. It's when you really don't understand asthma that it's really difficult to manage, you know. Uh, what I what I see is, you know, people just try to do the best they can with what they have and they don't understand that the medication needs to be used according to what the physician says, so or they're using the medication in, inappropriate or incorrectly. And so we teach you how to use the medication, you know, how to use a meter dose inhaler um, the proper way, um, doing a breath hold with it, you know. Uh, if you use a steroid to rinse your mouth, because if you don't rinse your mouth, you can have breakdown in your mouth. And so we go over how to clean your um, nebulizer. It, has, it should be clean, you know. You don't use it every day and not clean it, and it's easy. You just clean it with warm, soapy water and then let it air dry. And so we try to go over those things on the on the unit so that the person is educated and, and they feel empowered that they can control their asthma themselves when they go home. And so what we're finding in the community is that people just are not educated, so they get afraid when they have an asthma attack and they run to the ER and they're being treated through the emergency room, which is not good. You know what? She's really said, uh, share some things with me that I did not even think about. That you know that we have to take control of our own health issues there, and how the inhaler need to be maintained also, and just like we take yeah. care of our medical health. And you know that was that, was, uh, that really was an eye opener. Now. Uh, uh, that was a, a myth, that, uh, well, not a myth, I'm sorry, we got a text message here right now that said that can food trigger an uh, asthma uh, problem? Can, yeah, let me stay like this. Yes. Can, can certain food cause asthma? Okay. Yes, it can. That's by Sharon. Yes, certain food. Okay, share with that with us. Okay. Sharon said, hey, she wants to know. Yes, certain foods can cause asthma, so... Um, that is one of the triggers um, to asthma is certain foods. And so, you know, you say, well, how do I know what foods can trigger my asthma attack? And so, you know, kind of kind of follow what you eat during the day. Take a diary. Take a food diary of what you eat. And when you experience these symptoms, because you've written down what you've eaten, you're able to go back. That's one way that we um, can can determine what, what food triggers our asthma Another way is that you can go into your doctor and ask for an allergy test. And so an allergy test will test for uh, food. It will test for dust, animal, dander, molds, pollens. This test will let the physician know what you're allergic to or what food you're allergic to, whether it's dairy, um, peanuts, uh, some people are allergic to peanuts, or just nuts in general, certain foods, citric, citric, like lemons, uh, oranges, certain foods can trigger an asthma attack. And so... Um, you can go to your physician and you can do what we call an allergy screening test and uh, either draw blood or, you know, um, put needles in you and determine what you're allergic to. And so that was a that was a great question um, coming from Sharon because a lot of people don't know that, you know, uh, asthma can be triggered by food, food allergies. Okay. Okay. Here's one from Mike. I think we just touched on this a while ago. Mike stating that he keeps his AC unit extremely low and his wife complains, but it tends to help him breathe better. So he likes it cool. Yeah. But he doesn't he, like you know, it he, hot. Okay. You're right. And he states so, that he seems to control his asthma better. Is that any, you know, kind of touch on that. I think we talked about with the inhaler and the steam. We'll open it up. So, you is know, that, is, the can AC it work out is, is very important. 
Well, let me tell you, the AC is, is an important tool for asthmatics, and the reason is because your air condition has vents in it. And so we tell asthmatics to change those vents as much as possible. Sometimes, okay. you know, you live in a home and you forget to change your vents or you live in an apartment and your your uh, your office manager or the person that, that comes out to your apartment, they're the ones that have to change the vent. But when you're an asthmatic, you need to change that vent as much as possible because you might have a dust allergy, and dust collects uh, very quickly in these air vents. And so we we tell, and so that might him keeping it low um, might not have it cycle as much where the dust maybe is in the atmosphere. But also, um, what I found out from a lot of asthmatics is that they just like it cool. They feel like they can breathe a little bit easier when it's cool. And so um, he's not the only one out there that likes the cool like that who, who's an asthmatic. But that's a that's a very common thing. Okay, okay. I have another one here from Mary that said that she have uh, three kids, and her oldest don't have asthma, the second one have asthma, and the third one may have asthma. Now, could you touch on that right there? How I know you said it was genetic, generic, but the oldest one don't yes. have it, so, though, but, you know, it's kind of... Go ahead. Well, you know, sometimes when things are hereditary, all your, all your children don't quite get it, and so... Um, it, it, or it could be environmental, you know. Maybe it's something that the kids are exposed to, you know, just to kind of go over some of the things that may trigger it. Um, you, kids that are born early, prematurely, um, have in, uh, a lot of respiratory infections and colds. Uh, these okay. are kids that are are prone, yeah, prone to having asthma or, um, uh, like I said, the the allergic reaction that they're exposed to pollen, mold, animal dander, dust, food, cockroaches. Um, these are some other triggers that trigger asthma. Indoor and outdoor air pollution, you know, people are like, what's the ozone and why are we concerned about it? Well, the ozone, we should be concerned about the air quality. It only People think it only affects those with respiratory diseases, but it affects us all. So as long as the ozone is affected, we are all, you know, we are all affected by the ozone, but people who have respiratory problems are more affected, and so paying attention to the ozone is is quite um, important. Um, also, um, exposure to cold air and sudden temperature changes. So, a lot of people, when it turns cold from hot to cold, when it turns cold real quick, they they will see that their asthma um, they have they have a lot of asthma attacks or they have a lot of asthma problems. When it gets cold, it's because they have a um, trigger from the change in temperature. Uh, people don't know this, but excitement and stress is also things that trigger asthma. So if a, if a child or an adolescent is really under a lot of stress, maybe something's going on in school, you know, they just don't tell you about it and they're really stressed out about it and they're always having asthma attacks, you know, that's something to ask your child, you know, how, how are you doing at school? Is something stressing you out? Because stress is a big cause for an asthma um, asthma attack. And we see it in adults when they're stressed out. They they are constantly taking their medication, trying to control their asthma, but they have to learn how to control their stress too. Oh, that's something I wasn't aware of. That's a, now you know. Occasionally, mm-hmm. you have a little kid. You know, I know we should be concerned about all our young uh, young kids. But occasionally, if a, a kid keep asking the parents, "Hey, I'm having difficult breathing. Hey, I'm I'm congested," yes. and it's something that we need to look at. We need to follow those signs. Because sometimes they could be just surgery from uh, uh, from sinuses or an allergy, or maybe it's yes. just asthma. 
it's a thing. Right, or maybe something's that. bothering them. Yes, something's bothering them, and and you know, stress is a trigger. You know, especially in adolescence, it's, it's kind of hard being a teenager these days. You know, they go they go through a lot, and so you know, they don't always tell our parents. They they get to the age where they think they can handle it themselves, but sometimes you know they might be experiencing something that's stressing them out, and and uh, we keep treating the treating them with the medication, but it, we feel like it's not working, so we have to look at the whole child, um, you know, their behavior and, and, and things that's going around them. Okay. We're getting ready to open the phone lines up here. We have a couple of calls that we'd like to bring on and let them say hello okay. to you. We're going to open the phone line up right now. And thank you for the information that you're sharing with us. Amen. Good you're morning, welcome. Yonanette. Amen. Good morning. Good morning, Carla. you on the net. Uh, good morning. How are you, Samara? Good morning. Good. How are you today? I'm doing fine, thank you. Hey, I, I, I've learned quite a bit. Uh, I'm a little bit familiar with uh, asthma because uh, I have some family members, including my mother, who suffers from asthma. And uh, there are a couple of things that I, I, I would like you to, to kind of quickly clarify for our audience. One is that uh, I want people to understand that, as you said, there are 25 million people in America but there are about 300 million worldwide, so we have about 8% of the population that suffer from asthma. And the reason why I'm so concerned about it is, especially with our young people, is that people don't realize that sometimes we can deprive our children of an opportunity to have a normal life because they have asthma. We think that they can't participate in normal kinds of activities. But we have people, when you have it under control, who can be involved in all of the the routines and the functions of life, including athletics. Because I've had a number That's of right. parents who have withheld right. their children from being in activities, extracurricular, like band and sports, because they have asthmatic symptoms. But that doesn't necessarily uh, prohibit you from being involved if you have it under control. Is that not true? That is true. What you're saying is true. So um, most kids that don't participate, their asthma is not under control. And so... And, right. and and parents think their asthma is not under control. That's why they cannot participate. But when your asthma is under control, you know, you got to know your warning signs of an asthma attack and, and understanding, you know, things to stay away from your triggers and, and, and following advice of how to control your, your triggers and, and, and what to do to control your asthma. And so, you know, the, if you don't have any symptoms, you're not wheezing, you're not coughing, you're sleeping good through the night, you're not sick, you're not missing any school and work, you can participate in all physical activity. And so what you are saying is true, and, and I find that out a lot in the community. Also, parents will withheld their children from playing sports because they're like, oh, no, they have asthma, they can't play sports. And I, I have to go back and correct them because what we're finding out is asthma and obesity are going hand in hand. We're, we're now finding out children who have asthma or you know, are obese because their parents will not let them exercise or participate in any type of sports because they have the diagnosis of asthma. But as long as your asthma is under control, your child can partake in all physical activities. Oh, great. Right. Thanks for the question. And I'll know. present to Ms. Norris. Oh, you're welcome. And you're welcome. Now, Thanks Ms. for Norris, calling I, in. Uh-oh. Uh, uh, Ms. Flemings, we're about ready to get out of here. We got a couple other things we want Ms. Norris to share with us before we let you, before we let her get out of here. Now, Ms. Norris, what's some of the events that's coming up that's on your calendar? So people may want to come out and support and just uh, be involved in what you had to share with your mobile asthmatic uh, unit. So, oh, let me tell you, I'm so excited. So we have um, our event coming up on next Saturday. It's March 21st, located at uh, Duncanville High School. 
uh, in the auditorium from the first event is from 10 to 2, and then the next event is from 4 to 8. And so the event is called Stomping Out Asthma. And so it's actually a step show, and it's a state step show for the Texas Step Association. And uh, we will provide, we'll, excuse me, we'll be providing, um, I'm so excited about it because it's, it's just going to be a great <laughs> event. Don't look at your wheels. I am, I am. So, so we'll be providing free asthma screening that day. So we have a local hospital that's going to come out and do some free asthma screening for us. We're going to be providing information about the different camps that are free in our community in Dallas-Fort Worth for kids during the summer. Um, there's a really big one that's a two-week camp that your child goes away to a ranch, and they just get infiltrated with asthma information. They have one over at the hospital um, here in Dallas that that will provide a camp that's actually, a, I think it's a week camp that they do several times during the summer. And so we are just going to infiltrate the community about all things about asthma get free asthma screening, and you're going to have a great time because we're going to have a stomping step event show, and um, and that's, that's going to be at Lancaster, sorry, not Lancaster, but Duncanville High School on 900 West Camp Wisdom Road, Duncanville, Texas, 75116. So come on out hey, next man, Saturday. Well, great, great. Hey, it's exciting. Hey. i tell you what, give us a website so people can kind of keep up with what's going on and be a part of what's going on. I see you. your unit is available, it seems like, 12 months out of a year. I know cost of the weather and other conditions, yes. but you're uh, available. So give us that website so they can say, hey, I want to find out where she's at. Maybe she's in my neighborhood. Uh, our website is www.positivebreathing.org. Um, we're also on Facebook under Positive Breathing Organization. And guess what? We're on Twitter at Asthma Speaks. So you can find <laughs> us also on Twitter. We're we're, tw- we're tweeting about asthma on asthma called Asthma Speaks. Well, we cannot miss you and your ministry at all. We pray that uh, that, uh, that God continue to use you in this ministry. We pray for your Thank volunteer. You. And if we stay earlier, we don't have enough time. We want you to come back. We want you to come back and continue. I will come share. back. I will. Yeah. Anytime yeah, well, you invite me, I will come back. Yeah, because this is something we need to follow. You know what? I think I might have you on as often as possible, but throughout the year, because sometimes at different times of the year, asthma kind of creeps up on us. And, you know, so we need to know how to maintain our. Let health. me tell you, it's coming up. It's coming fall. up. Okay. Thank you so much. Well, thank you, dear. We just use it. We just said that's a verbal commitment. I'll buy you and yours. Hey, but thank you very okay. much. We're looking forward to meeting you in person. We're looking forward to uh, sending people your way regarding their asthma treatment and talk, tell them that this disease, this ailment can be controlled and maintained through proper care and education. Amen. Amen. And I pray for okay. all my, my patients. So you know why prayer is so important. Great, great. And we also have another show that's associated with our Blog Talk Network. I'm the uh, program director. We have my sister, my friend, which is uh, dealing with women and women issues. And I'd like to introduce you to that host, and maybe you can come on H program. It's just like mine's where we'll just have a conducting interview on the phone, and you can share, uh, broaden your, uh, you know, your territory regarding God's people. Okay, I, I will do it. All right, then, great. Thank I, I get in much. touch with you. Uh, oh, hey, thank you very much. As we get ready to get out of here, I'm going to give you the uh, final words to get, encourage people about maintaining their health and getting control of this, uh, getting control of asthma, which plaguing our society. So my my final words is, you know, 
to always have God first in your life. You know, God is the, the the great great healer. You know, you know, pray, pray and seek God. He's the He's the first in the in the first physician. You know, but also listen to what your physician says because health is so important. You know, this body we only get one body to live with, and and just speaking on asthma, you know, control your asthma and. And, and avoid asthma attacks by taking your medication exactly the way the doctor tells you and staying away from things that trigger you and and just, you know, to live a healthier life, you can control your asthma. So have a blessed All day. All right. God bless you. Thank you very much. I want to go with you that we have that. Ms. Sharon Norton, she was discussing her asthma uh, mobile asthma treatment unit for minority, a website that she shared with us. With one of them was positivebreathing.org. We ask you to go out, visit that site. We ask you to be encouraged. As we get ready to get out of here, we want to thank our, uh, our uh, we want to thank our guest that was on this morning here, Miss OG from Christian Ministry for Refugees. She gave us a website. Please go back and visit uh, this uh, uh, this program, and then you get more information up on our guest. We ask you to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Looking forward to talking with you again next week. So everyone have a great time in the Lord. Before we get out, we have a word of our gracious Heavenly Father. In the name of Jesus, we thank you. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for our guests that came on this morning. We pray, the Lord, that what, that what they share with us today, that we take it to heart, that we apply it to the best of our ability and give you the praise and the glory. We pray these in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We'd like to uh, also make mention that we have other bars.